Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I chatted with my friend Megan Arnold, a fellow military spouse who's been navigating the lifestyle for 19 years through nine deployments. Megan follows her husband, Bo, as he follows Jesus in his career as an army soldier in the special operations community. I know many of you are male spouses, but I also want to take a second just to welcome those of you who aren't familiar with the lifestyle into our world in light of the upcoming Memorial Day holiday. Megan and I talked about things that we can all relate to, like the challenges that we face navigating a transient lifestyle, dealing with unmet expectations, and pursuing oneness with our spouses who have very demanding schedules. Whether you're part of a military family or if you're just like I was eight years ago and you know nothing, I think you'll find this conversation encourages you in your walk with Jesus. You are probably one of the most seasoned military spouses that I know as far as having experienced the military and also fervently pursuing Jesus and your family really collectively doing that and and Bo doing that in the context of his job as well. And I knew as soon as I met you, Megan, I was like, man, this is somebody who I really want to get time with. And then as people started asking me more questions, because they're listening to the podcast and they're thinking, you know, I'd love for Hunter to talk about how I face these unique circumstances within the context of the military. I'm thinking, man, I know somebody who can answer them a lot better than me. So let's get her on the podcast. So Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. And, you know, we connected through church. Let's tell people a little bit about how we know each other. We're stationed here together at Fort Campbell. Yes. And it's just been a joy to get to know you and your family. I haven't really gotten to know Bo yet, though, because he just got back from a deployment that he went on right about the time that you guys got here. Correct? That's correct. And he's definitely the better half. So you'll probably enjoy getting to know him a lot more than you've enjoyed getting to know me. Oh, man, I doubt that. Oh, he's he's awesome. Well, you guys have done a lot of transition, and I think that's the key piece that I want to draw out because there are a lot of other people listening, whether they're spouses or single gals. We have a ton of expats that are listening. We have a lot of missionaries, people who are overseas, and there are a lot of commonalities between that type of transiency and then the hardship that just comes with the nature of military life, life overseas, etc. So I think there's going to be a lot of commonalities for a lot of listeners, even if they don't have I'm a direct touch to the military, like someone that's a military um, either friend or if they're not in the military themselves. So let's talk a little bit about that. How do you navigate all the transitions? Like what is your hope in the midst of such a transient lifestyle? It's really only Jesus. There's only the only answer to all questions really is him. Sometimes that can be really challenging to live out in the midst of transitions. 
a lot of times it's it's tempting to let those circumstances rule how you respond to life. Totally. But as I've grown in faith and grown in understanding that He loves us and that He's constantly caring for us, whether or not we feel it, He's still doing the work. And we can trust Him and we can move into painful situations even, strange situations, situations where things don't work out. There was one time we moved and I thought I had a house lined up and I was moving with four small kids across the country. And I I got there and they'd given my house away. And it, you know, there was about 24 hours where it just unraveled my entire soul because I'm like, what am I going to do without housing and four kids? And yet, you know, God always provides for our needs. And within two days, we had a different house and we had some backup furniture to use. And it was really a lesson that that He is always there. He is always working for His children, for His people. And we can trust Him. We don't have to be burdened with undue anxiety and worry amidst all those life transitions. Mm, I love how you brought that out. And one of the things I love about the church that we both go to is how everything just fits into the context of the bigger story of what God is doing throughout all of redemptive history. And I love how you just explained that in the same way that he's been working since, you know, the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, he is still working today and he's bringing things about for his glory and for our good. So is there anything that you'd like to add just what it is that like why why he is your hope in the midst of this transition. Like, yes, he is working, but why can we trust him as he's working? We can definitely trust him because our deepest need is for him to be God. And I think what our natural tendency is to try to be our own God. And Mm -hmm. so regardless of whether you're a military spouse or you're a missionary or, you know, you work a nine to five job at a bank, you you're always fighting that inner desire to be your own God, to exert your own will over your life. And I believe that the military life has given me the medium for which to just practice turning away from myself Mm -hmm. as my God and turning towards Jesus as my God. And so I can trust Him because every time I have turned to Him, He has always been there. And His Word says that. Mm -hmm. He will not turn away from anyone who seeks Him. That's a great promise to live by. You don't have to wonder if He's going to accept you and love you. He is. He says so in His Word. And I don't know that I've ever met anybody who's ever said, oh, I sought the Lord and I couldn't find Him. I mean, He says, seek me and I will be found. Yes. It's faith. And my, I had my youngest just asked me the other day, what is faith? And I said, well, it's believing what we can't see. And I said, but think about how many things we actually believe that we can't see. We, we believe things all the time. Right. It's just, it's faith in Him and... And he proves himself over and over. Yeah, totally. One of the things I love about the military is that the illusion of control is swept out from underneath you. So Mm -hmm. you really lose the whole facade that you are in control that I think when you're not in such a transient lifestyle, I feel like I would maybe have a little bit more of a tendency to embrace, but you just can't do it. Megan, like, no, no, tried, and I've tried. You're all, me, yeah. I've tried, and it's ugly every time. <laughs> it never, it never works out, particularly in the context of the military. So, what are some of the struggles that we face? Like, what are some struggles that are unique to the lifestyle? Maybe even some struggles that somebody that's not in this lifestyle, but that's in a similar situation, might also be facing. 
One struggle that I face over and over is wanting to connect with my husband and not necessarily having yeah. very much control over that ability. Yes. So when he's deployed, for example, which in the past couple of years has been pretty frequently, I really wrestle with, you know, when it's a good time for me to talk is not usually when he calls. Yeah. And I have something pressing on my heart that I really want to share with him. That will be the week that it's five days before he calls me. Yes. So that was, again, back to what you just said, the control is just, it's relentless. Me dying to wanting to control how I'm able to communicate with him Mm -hmm. and having to accept the limitations of the place God's placed me. In the military, I feel like those limitations are ever-growing and ever-present. Totally. And just accepting, like you're saying, kind of the providence of God, because I think when I first became a military spouse, I thought this isn't as it should be. And in some ways, you know, the effects of the fall are are prevalent. Like, yes, that is accurate. Mm -hmm. But then in other ways, like, what is it in this circumstance that God is using to bring about holiness in me or to maybe even draw us towards himself and thereby allow us to experience greater intimacy with one another because we're pressing into our relationship with him or, you know, a whole host of things. Just really basically not not trusting God in the midst of whatever the circumstances may be, especially whenever it gets down to that nitty gritty, like the phones aren't working like from here to Afghanistan or whatever it might be, you know? Yes, absolutely. I I think nitty gritty is the is the perfect descriptor for that because you it feels like you're in the trenches a lot of times with them in your mm-hmm. own way. I mean, you're definitely not experiencing some of the hardships that your spouse might be experiencing in, you know, a third world country or a war zone, but um, it, it definitely feels like a war zone in your heart a lot of times. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the one of the great struggles is intimacy with your spouse. One of the other things that I face is intimacy within friendships just because we're moving so frequently. We're moving every two years. And so the depth to which I get to go with some people in my immediate proximity with our community isn't as great as I would long for it to. I feel like, Megan, when I get to a point where I'm like in a really sweet spot in the midst of my community and friendships, they're like, we leave. (laughs) Does that happen to you? That has happened to me over and over. And yet the exciting thing is I I have found that I have, of course, this may come with just being in for a long time. We have circled around and had second, sometimes third seasons with dear friends. So you do get to build on those friendships in the future, which is really encouraging, especially because you guys have moved back and forth, you know, between duty stations. And I think you're right. I think the longer you're in, everybody says it's a small army, which I'm sure that that probably goes for Navy and Air Force as well, though I I know we can't speak to those lifestyles because we haven't experienced them. But yeah, is there any other hardship that you find to be unique well, certainly raising kids, single parenting a lot of the time yeah. is is a unique hardship. Totally. I always remind myself, you know, I'm not really a single parent because I have the hope of my husband coming home again to help me. And so it is different. I would never want to equate that totally. But there's so much of the time that I feel like I'm bearing the weight of decisions yes. and discipline without his wise counsel. And I'm a lot more reactive. And so, you know, my weaknesses just feel so much more prevalent when he's mm-hmm. not here to kind of counter with his strengths. 
And that's always been a, a real hard part for me of military life. Yeah. And not having your family close in proximity. I mean, the beautiful mm-hmm. thing is I do feel like I am more reliant on the body of Christ because we just don't have tangible help as far as family goes. Like I get to rely on my on my heavenly family. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, that's a really and yet, sweet what a gift. privilege, right? Yes, I mean, that's, that's a, such yes. a privilege to have actually left your family and to be relying on the family you will spend yes. eternity with. Yeah, that's the flip side and embracing that and enjoying it instead of sulking in the realities of not being close to the people that may be family by relation or whatever. So how else does the gospel meet us, though? We kind of got there in that instance. How does the gospel meet us in the midst of all of these hardships that we're talking about? Well, I think what the hardships do is reveal where our hearts are. So Mm -hmm. really, they're testing ground, they're proving ground for, you know, what are my idols right now? What is it that has my heart and has my attention? And so that is where the gospel tilling always comes in to play, I think. When I'm wrestling, when I'm struggling, when I'm angry, or perhaps even inching towards bitterness, those feelings, those emotions unkept can really be an opportunity to, one, see my sin, but also sometimes just to identify with Christ. I mean, I'm not saying my sin identifies with Christ, but my suffering my suffering and yes. the heart and just general hardship. It's always yes. a way to either know him better or if it's because of our sin, we can know still know him better because we see how yes. needy we are of him. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. I think so often, especially just because of the nature of the lifestyle where you are doing a lot of things independently because like I said, you're away from your family, you're away from your spouse. And so I think there's a certain personality type that tends to be drawn towards the military, just kind of that, oh, you know, high achieving and that type of thing. I think Brooks and I would both be classified as that. And so my temptation really is just to knuckle down, hunker Mm -hmm. down and to try and do it in and of my own strength. And Yes, that has not gone well for me. And it has also provided ample opportunities to look away from myself and to look to Jesus in my time of need. And that is consistent for any lifestyle. I bet every single person that's listening is saying, amen, I I resonate with that, you know? Yes, absolutely. So when you're trying to develop relationships, like we're talking about, that's one of the unique challenges of our lifestyle because it's so transient. And I know a lot of other people face that in other lifestyles as well. How do you develop deep, intimate relationships with other women and other believers when you're moving so frequently? Yeah. Well, I'm first and foremost, um, every move we make, our first visit is to our find our church. And I think that's the number one. Yes. Finding a church that is gospel-centered and yes. is not just preaching the Word and the whole Word. I mean, preaching the whole Word in light of God's whole story, yes. but also living that out. And I look for the leadership. I want to see evident leadership. I want to see humble leadership. And I and I want to see the gospel being lived out in the leadership. And then when I find that church and, you know, then it matches some of our preferences. I mean, we all have different preferences, so not every church is going to look alike. But then I'm able to usually find people that yeah. have a heart song that connects and tunes with mine. And and I have definitely made some of my very best friends through the local church. Mm-hmm. 
Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. This is in the midst of a series that's on the topic of community. And actually, our pastor kicked it off with an episode that released today on community. And he talked about how community is the church. And so Mm. I just love that for us as military families. I think there are so many great options on posts. But I think the, the important, the really important thing is for us to get plugged in with a local body of believers um, and, and for us to do that readily. And then also for us to do that graciously, because I don't know if you've had this experience, Megan, but I still have like the fresh kind of first couple years as a mill spouse, like on my brain, because we're only seven years in. And our first few years, you know, when we were moving back and forth, sometimes we would get to a location and the the community that we were stepping into wasn't exactly what I had envisioned. So it was difficult, right? Like I think sometimes the options that we have aren't ideal or are ideal, but they're always God's ideal. He's always going to be doing something in and through that body of believers that's right there in front of us. And so for us to think that we don't have what we need in front of us, I I think is just a, a lie because really and truly, if you step into that community looking for how can I come into this community and serve in this community? How can I love the community here? How can I meet these other believers with the gospel um, regardless of our different preferences? And how can I view them through the lens of the gospel with our unique preferences and love them right there? Like that is, I think, just such a sweet experience of, you know, stepping into and really embracing the body of Christ and all of our different unique giftings and, you know, wirings and all of that. And I think Christ is magnified when we walk in that and and when we embrace it readily, even if it doesn't look the way that we envisioned. Have you had that experience? Oh, I, I you said that so well. I want to put that on repeat so I could listen to that once a week or at least every move. Um, <laughs> I totally agree with that. And I have had that experience. I mean, a lot of times we end up attending churches where there is a, a large military presence. And so they're kind of already used to ministering to military families and they know how to pull them in and incorporate them. But we, we have had an experience or two where we uh, moved into a church and they really didn't know what military life was. I mean, right. it was a, you know, maybe the military presence was smaller in that community. And, um, just echoing what you said, I mean, the way we plugged into that church was we served, we plugged in, we yes. taught some Sunday school classes. Even if we you're only going to be Sunday there for classes. just a little bit. I mean, Megan, right. I think you and I would both say becoming an actual member of the church is such an important move, even if you're only going to be there. I remember Brooks and I became a member of our church in Georgia, and we were only going to be there for like eight months. Like it really, it seemed almost like 
pointless, <laughs> but yes. to step into that body and to actively just get as involved as you possibly can, I think is just such a wise move on your part. Because like you're saying, that is where we're going to come across people who are going to remind us in those moments when we're walking through the hardship, how desperately we need Christ and how he meets us right where we are in that moment. Absolutely. Preach it, Hunter. Preach it. <laughs> what motivates you to keep doing this, you know, even though you know you're just going to be leaving. I mean, that's one of the hardest things for me is knowing every single time. And now I guess maybe I'm in it so far that I like actually kind of get excited. But I think the first few moves, especially for me, were like, it's almost like you have to get yourself geared up because you're thinking, man, I just spent all this energy investing in these relationships. Now I'm going to say goodbye and I'm really sad. And then I'm going to move my next duty station and I'm going to do the whole thing over again. And I know it's going to last longer than two years or three years max. Right. What motivates you to continue doing that, even though you know you're only going to be there for a short time? Well, I think it's commanded in scripture for one. I mean, to love your neighbor as yourself, it's mm-hmm. it's very selfish to want to just hole up and withdraw. And I'm not to not to say there's not a season of rest here and there, and right. and that we shouldn't give ourselves some space to right. mourn the relationships we've had to leave. I certainly think that's a healthy thing. But you know, moving towards people is the life of Christ, Absolutely. and so there's never an excuse not to do that. Whether you live somewhere for five months or you live there for yes. 25 years, and that's just a hard truth that yes. you have to kind of accept. And I think the longer you live it, the longer you do it, the easier it gets. At least for me, it yeah, has gotten easier that's encouraging. because yeah. I see that God again, as Jesus proves Himself. I've seen how God proves through community how quickly I can make a deep friend. Yes. I have been so blessed in the last probably six, seven years between a couple of moves, just within six months having people I could really bear my soul to, Mm. people who were like-minded on many things. And and even where we weren't like-minded, we were brave enough to rub up against each other. Mm. And it's it's just really a blessing. And I, I hate to think I would have missed out on all of that just because I was too tired from moving or, you know, just too sad from leaving behind people who meant a lot to me. Yeah, totally. I mean, I always am comforted by the reality that God is outside of time because Mm. you hear certain stats and they're really discouraging. Like I remember when we first got married, somebody said like, it takes like three years or maybe even longer for a place to become home. And I was like, well, that's the most discouraging thing I've ever heard. Yeah, very, especially (laughs) if you're not there for two. (laughs) Yes, but that has not been my experience. My experience has been that it does take time. It does take time to transition and you have to allow yourself that grace and the space for things to be awkward. But it has been such a gift. I mean, like you're saying, and God has been so faithful for me in the midst of every one of our moves just to, you know, provide exactly what I need in that season. Now, I will say I do have some moves that I look back on and I see where I haven't been open to what it is that God had for me. And I think those were the hardest moves for me. Have you ever had that where you're just kind of digging in your heels and you're real resistant to what it is that God set before you and maybe even like better? You know, I haven't really struggled with that in relationship to moving because Mm -hmm. I love an adventure and every move for me is an adventure. Totally. But I did really struggle to leave our last duty station. And Mm. we've already, we've lived in Clarksville before. So I knew I was coming back to an amazing place with some really deep friendships already rooted. But my last season um, in North Carolina was 
just kind of um, supernaturally blessed with a lot of friends and the experience of church planting. And it was really sad to leave. Yeah. Uh, And so I I think I experienced sadness in a different way. Totally. Than I maybe ever had before. That's probably the closest I can relate. Man, that makes me just want to like come over to your house right now, which is about 10 minutes from mine, even though we're recording (laughs) separately and give you a big hug and say thank you for coming because God had you coming. Goodness, God had you coming on assignment just for me. I mean, I know there are a host of other people, Megan, that could say that, but you never know not only where you're going and how God's going to bless you, but also how God's going to use you to meet other people and to bring the message of the gospel as a source of encouragement to them even if they're really awkward, like me. <laughs> I don't think you're the awkward that, one, Hunter. I really don't. Hey, don't ruin my transition to my next question. <laughs> <laughs> so how does the gospel enable you to befriend other women who you might not naturally be drawn to or who may be in a different phase of life than you or who might have really different preferences than you or, quite frankly, who might just really annoy you? Oh, that's challenging. And I I can definitely identify with that question. You know, I first and foremost, I think I start with, okay, does everybody love me? Does everybody think I'm, you know, all that? Absolutely not. I know I'm awkward myself. And people (laughs) are certainly like thinking, who is this lady and her weird comments and her quirky sense of humor? Um, And so I think it always helps to uh, start from a place of, okay, I'm... I'm not the most normal person on earth either. Yeah. Um, but back to really related to the earlier question or answer to the earlier question. I, I mean, Jesus commands us to love others and he doesn't give us yeah. any qualifiers on that. He doesn't say, oh, you know, you can love the people who are just like you mm-hmm. or who have the same age kids or who, are, who also homeschool. Um, I think that he wants us to move outside of our comfort zones because then we're truly loving like he does. I think it's Tim Keller says something along the lines of, you know, it's really it's really no credit to you to love someone that's easy to love. But yeah. it's when you love the unlovable that you really yes. see Christ growing in you. Yes. Um, I'm fully paraphrasing that, but it is so true. And, and it's hard. I'm not going to lie. I, I find that I want to do what's easier. Mm. I want to hang out with people that are easy to have conversations with, mm-hmm. people that don't intimidate me. And yet, I don't grow as much yeah. from just having that really narrow type of friendship. And so, there's blessing to also to be had by branching yes. out. And blessing also occurs by getting inside other people's lives. So, that person who may seem a little obnoxious at first, um, you can get inside their life. And when you understand more of their life, you may not see them as obnoxious anymore. And that's yeah. happened to me numerous times oh, yeah. where my whole impression changed once I really got to know someone. And that just takes time and effort. Yeah, it totally does. And, you know, as you we were talking, I was thinking, man, this even relates to church too, because I just, I know for so many of our listeners who are military, you find yourself in a duty station and you really want to find a good gospel-centered church that's preaching the word. And there may be some, there may be one there, but it may be the one that you don't really have a whole lot of, you know, natural connection to, or it may not be as organic and easy to get plugged in as it's been for you in other places. And I think just to show up to the relationship, not looking for what can I get from this relationship? Like the same goes for an awkward 
situation with like someone who you don't have a whole lot in common with. Like a lot of times we show up to relationships thinking like, what is this person going to give to me? And instead of showing up and asking that question, whether it be to church or to a friendship, like thinking, what do I have to contribute to this relationship? And one of my friends, she said, showing up in a room and saying, instead of saying like, here I am, like, hey, everybody, you know, like, check me out, which I think is just our natural tendency saying, here you are. Let me get to know you. Let me ask you questions. And I think there's so much to be learned from one another in that. You know, I was just reading the book, God's Very Good Idea with a lady named Trillia, who is actually going to be the next episode. And it's a kid book. And she, have you read that book? No, okay, but I it, would it, love to. It's really, really cute. It's a little bit like too advanced for your kiddos, and it, it wasn't published until just recently. But it's called God's Very Good Design, and it's about how we are all unique and how God has made us all in his image, whether we have curly hair, straight hair, dark skin, light skin, whether we like opera, whether we like rock music, whether we like basketball or football, like everybody is unique, and we all reflect God, and thereby we are his image bearers. And I think in getting to know and love his image bearers. I don't know. His glory is just made so evident. Absolutely. And you know more of him. I mean, if yes. you're seeing more of his image yes. in a variety of people, you're you're knowing more of God through that. Yeah. It's such a wonderful experience. And so I think that's one of the beautiful things that I've experienced as a military person is just not, I'm not military as a civilian married to a military person, if I want to get technical, but, you know, getting to meet different people from all different places all over the world. Have you enjoyed that too? Because people are from all different backgrounds, at least the ones I'm interacting with. Oh, I love that part of it. I am one of our first duty stations. I I met a girl from New York City and she gave me the best homemade macaroni and cheese recipe that to this day I still make. I mean, I would never, you know, I grew up in the South. We made Kraft macaroni and cheese. I didn't know there was another kind. So um, simple things like that. Yes garnered so much wonderful recipes, so many wonderful stories, and um, it it definitely makes life richer and fuller. Yeah, and you just have such ample opportunity to preach the gospel. I mean, when we're in the midst of a situation where the hardship is kind of highlighted, we're experiencing suffering presently because more often than not, we are either parenting while our spouse is deployed or while he's TDY, we're away from family, you know, all these different hardships that, or or maybe even just bearing the burden of another sister who, you know, whose husband is gone as well. And like literally tangibly having to bear the burden of that by watching her children or bringing her meals or whatever it is. I feel like there's always some level of difficulty and struggle and that translates to the civilian world as well. So in the midst of those hardships, being able to meet women with the gospel, because there's so many people from so many different backgrounds that my experience has been, there are a lot of people who have never heard the good news of Christ ever. Like, I remember one of my girls at my first duty station, she told me I was the weirdest person that she's ever met. And I I hope she's listening to this because she actually is now a follower of Christ. She wasn't before that. But it's just really cool to have that opportunity to meet people in a time of real, tangible, felt need and to yes. offer them Jesus who will meet all of their needs. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's so many opportunities. I've, I can't remember a few where there were just disappointments, disappointments because um, certain paths didn't work out, um, disappointments because, yes. you know, a husband leaves suddenly and they're yeah. now going to miss weddings of the family. Or birth, and, like, um, 
there's just so many opportunities yeah. where life doesn't go our way, where where Jesus can mm-hmm. come right in and not just be a comfort, but be a savior. A lot of the times where people have never mm-hmm. known a savior. So yeah, I love that. What are some of the other unforeseen blessings of this military lifestyle? Ooh, there's so many. I one I think is that I've learned. I love my husband. He seriously is one of my best friends, but it has taught me to enjoy my time without him. And that's taken a long time yes. for me to be able to say that. Yeah. Um, probably because I was a little too needy of him and he easily can become an idol for me. Um, just being around him and in, in finding my comfort in his presence. And so um, one of the great things has just been learning to not have to have him around to be my fun yeah. and to enjoy relationships with other women. I don't I don't think I was particularly great at friendship in my growing up years. And so I feel like God's used the military life to teach me mm. about friendship, how to be a good friend, what a good friend looks like. Um, and that's been a slow process, but really, really fruitful. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I completely agree. I mean, people are often asking me, how do you have the time to do what you're doing when you're mothering two children, you're married, you know, all this different stuff. And I'm like, well, like my husband's gone, you know, I mean, at this point right now, about three fourths of the time. And so after 7pm, when I put the kids down, I got some time on my hands. And that's how I have this podcast. It's like an extra hobby. And so it's just, you're right. I think I noticed that after probably our second duty station, like, while I would prefer to be with Brooks as often as possible, there are unforeseen blessings of having that time when we're separate in proximity, whether that's building relationships with a girlfriend, getting to teach a Bible study in your local church because you have extra time to prep in the evenings or pursuing like a hobby, like sewing yes. or you playing piano, like doing different things like that. That's huge. I, another thing I would add, it's just... I'm sure you could say this of a lot of different professions, but just speaking from a military standpoint, I've had more opportunities to see God's hand at work in details that I don't know that I would have seen other ways Ooh, with yeah. Bo being gone, yes. you know, having, having a difficulty in God providing the person to help me through that difficulty. Yeah. Or um, I know there, one of my great, great moments that I just feel like God secured my faith forever in him. I mean, not to say I didn't have faith before, but just secured his deep love for me was when my dad passed away and Bo mm. was deployed. Ugh. I was pregnant with oh, my man. Uh, third child and I'd been traveling back and forth to Texas to visit my dad who was, who had had cancer and, and it was the end and, and he died and Bo said, well, I can, I can come home for his funeral or I can come home for the baby, but I can't come home for both. And, um, I decided after some prayer that I really needed him there for the funeral, that that would just be a harder emotional event. So he came home for the funeral. And a week later, I went into labor with <laughs> five weeks early with my third child. And wow. so Bo ended up getting to be there with both wow. the, for the bad and the good. And and I just always have, that that is a real stone for me in, yes. in knowing God and who He is and who His character is, that He provides for us. And He didn't have to do that for me, but He delighted to do that for me. Um, and I just felt His particular care. And I, I don't think I would have felt that in any other career because Bo probably would have just been there, you know, um, yeah. or he could have gotten home very easily. 
Wow, that is a tremendous story. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about you and Bo's relationship. I know you mentioned that God is really working in you not to idolize your relationship with Bo, but I know you also are pursuing oneness with Bo as your spouse and as the one whom you've covenanted with on this side of heaven. So how do you and your hubby pursue oneness with one another, even when you're separate in your like location? Oh, I don't know that we're that good at this yet, but (laughs) we definitely, (laughs) uh, communication is the thing we work the most on probably. Um, Like communicating, are you talking about frequency or like the the depth of your interaction? It's it's frequency, but it's also the how-to and and we're still learning. I mean, every deployment is different, but I would say that um, I have learned on my side that I have to be willing to not expect anything from him in mm-hmm. conversation. And that's really hard. So I hard. have to uh, allow him to not have very many questions, you know, and a lot of times he doesn't have a lot he can say. He works a lot of times in a lot of um, confidential situations. So he's right. not able to share a lot of what's going on in his life. And and that can make connecting really hard. And so I've had to accept uh, that, that those limitations are there. And, and therefore, I have to be more creative. So then I, you know, in the week, mm. I will jot down, mm-hmm. okay, here are some things I can ask him that yes. he can talk about. And then I'll jot down stories and things I can tell him because I think really he's the one most hungry for life here. And often I am tempted to, you know, it's all about me. It's all about my circumstances and what's going on at home. And it's really hard for me sometimes to envision the hardships he's suffering because we have no context for it. Like, no, we haven't no, I've never, that. I've never been to the Middle East, for example, or Afghanistan. Yeah, no. I mean, and, like sometimes the playroom looks like that. But. <laughs> that's true, or my kitchen. <laughs> uh, but I, it has really grown me. And again, kind of this theme of our conversation of otherness, you know, looking towards others and away from self. Again, it's an avenue for growth, but it does take a lot of prayer. So I think the second thing that probably should, this should probably be the first thing is just a, a strong devotional life, a strong hmm. life, being in the word, being in prayer um, for one another and, and whenever possible yes. with one another. I mean, we've, we've had several times where I'm just kind of coming apart and, and when he's able to call, I mean, he just prays with me and he prays for me and it's really powerful to, to have your husband um, go before the throne for you. And there are many times where I'm praying for him. I may not even know exactly what I'm praying for, but I draw, I feel closer to him. I feel connected to him. And as I think Stormy O'Martian or somebody really prayerful said one time, (laughs) you know, it's hard to be mad at someone you're praying for. So um, when I'm struggling with some anger or the disconnectedness that can be frustrating at times, you know, praying is always the the first thing that will alleviate a lot of those emotions. Yeah, for sure. And even if you can't talk to your spouse, I've mentioned this on another episode, but Brooks and I will often, because I mean, you and I are in the same boat and this isn't the case for everybody that's military. In fact, a lot of times when people are deployed, they can talk every single day. But there are a lot of times for some of us that you don't talk for entire weeks. And so to set aside aside a time every day, maybe it's 8 p.m. their time, 
I don't know. I don't know what time you would know better about the time change, but maybe it's in the morning your time. And it's the same time that you're able to just kind of connect and pray with one another. Even if you're not talking to each other, just set an alarm and remember to set aside that time with your family to include your kids in that if you have them and to pray for daddy. That's a really sweet just way to prioritize praying together, even when they're separate in proximity. I agree. And I would add to that. I mean, something we've always wanted to do and we've never been disciplined enough to do it, but I still think it would be great. Unfortunately, Bo works around the clock when he's gone. So it's really hard, but we've wanted to read a book together and then we have something to talk about. Yes. I know a lot of people do that. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's an an idea that I hope one day will actually accomplish. Yeah. Brooks and I, just on a real basic level, if you're looking for a book, I mean, the Bible is pretty good. Absolutely. <laughs> we're always reading through the Bible together. We started this practice years ago when we were in the Forge. I actually started it before him. And every year we just do one of those Bible reading plans and we don't stay with it every single day, but we try to so that we're in the same, we choose which plan we're going to do every year. This year we're doing chronologically and then we're in the same portion of the text so that we can discuss it whenever it just kind of organically makes its way into our conversation, which is really sweet. So there are so many different ways. But I think, as you're saying, it just requires creativity and really, I think, like humble pursuit of one another, even though there are some real challenges to not actually getting to be together in person can also be incredibly challenging in regard to your physical relationship. And I realize I'm kind of putting you in an awkward situation. But one of the questions that we got frequently was how do you continue to maintain like a physical sense of intimacy with your spouse? And what does that look like from a biblical perspective when you're not able to be together? Mm. That's really awkward. I know. You know, it's not awkward. I just I wish I had a really great answer for you. One, I think that connectedness, as much as you can get it, uh, for me at least, and for probably many women, because I, I think our emotional connectedness is a really tethered to our physical intimacy. Right. So for one one thing Bo and I did, we, we just try to use our intimate words. And, and I, I don't mm. mean like sexting or, you know, uh, <laughs> things that might be illegal or could be tracked down and you'd be embarrassed to see on Fox News one day. But um, <laughs> one thing we did this last appointment is I just wrote him this like 10 things I love about you list. And, you know, it might have included some, you know, things I love about our <laughs> physical intimacy. Yeah. And then he just texted me back over time, you know, one or two things here or there. And it ended up being a list of 20 or 25, just as he had time to do it. And and in some ways, it was kind of like flirting a little bit all over again. And yeah. it was like going back to those days when you're when you're apart, there is a, a that sense of mystery kind of reintroduces itself. Yeah. And so just seeing ways to enjoy that. And I try not to think so much about what I'm missing out on, but look forward to what I, what I get to have coming home to me eventually. Yeah. Um, Probably is the thing I do the most. Yeah. That's really, really sweet. I love that. Tell me this, this is really tough. I think it's harder when you first get into the military. How do you handle the reality that Bo could be hurt? Well, Again, I go back to scripture. I have memorized many psalms. Mm. I find the psalms to be the most comforting things. Mm. But Psalm 27 is probably my life psalm. Um, The Lord is my rock and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And the whole psalm deals with just fears of your enemies, fears of 
life and death. And I find the more scripture you can put in your head, the better off you're going to be when those moments of anxiety come. And there are real moments of anxiety. And then also, I just call people and I have them pray. If I'm particularly worried about a situation, yeah, you know, I find a group of friends and I text them and I say, I really, I need you to pray right now. Not just for my anxiety, but also just for Bo's safety and for his guys. Um, and I can definitely say that that was at the top of my prayer list while he's gone is to pray for their safety, that not one guy would be lost. Mm. So far, God has really blessed that prayer and answered it. And I find that people are, they're so willing to pray, you know, they're so willing yeah. to pray for a soldier overseas. So sometimes th- that's a great way to connect with people who may not be believers or even walking with the Lord because they're willing to pray for things and it can even be a conversation starter. Yeah, totally. Well, Megan, especially in those times when I'm struggling with fear or when I'm walking through, you know, just a hairy, weird situation. Hairy is kind of a weird descriptive word, but (laughs) a difficult situation. I mean, I'm the FRG leader right now, which means that when, and so are you. (laughs) Well, uh, advisor. Okay. Advisor. Quite as important as you, Hunter. So, so you are, you're, you're over all of us, you know, that, for those who aren't military is it's a term that means family readiness group. So when anything happens, that's difficult for one of the family members, especially when they're gone, we're the point of contact and we help to, they call us information disseminators, distribute the information that's needed so that they can get the help that they need. And those things can be really trying, especially whenever people are under strained circumstances, like their spouse being gone or when they're scared for their spouse. So finding a mentor like you, which I'm so thankful that I have, has been so crucial in every duty station. So I'd like to talk a little bit there. I know that's got to be super challenging for you now that you are mentoring many and there are less who are older women that you can look up to and ask questions. But how have you gone about finding a mentor in your new duty stations, especially when you're moving so frequently? Well, first of all, I think that you are far more spiritually mature than I am. I'm not sure I've ever like cognizantly thought I'm looking for a spiritual mentor. I think God has probably provided many of them. And yeah. Yeah. looking back, I can see, wow, um, that person. I had one mm. in my very first duty station, and I, I just love her to this day. She had grown up in a Christian home, and she was... Um, full of God's Word. And so she would just pour out His Word into me. Mm. Um, And she was maybe five years older than me. You know, we're not talking much. She had two children, and I was just starting um, to, we were just starting to grow our family. But she would share with me um, just deep truths from Scripture. And one one she shared with me was just Psalm 91, that He is our dwelling place. Wherever Mm. we are, God is dwelling there with us. And and that was a comfort for me because Bo deployed at at that duty station. And I thought, you know, God's here with me. God's here with there with Him. And there was so much comfort in that. Um, But I don't know if I would have ever seen that, you know, had she not shown that to me. Yeah. Um, So again, I go back to the church. You know, I found her. Well, at that time, uh, we were in PWOC together, which was a Bible study through women's ministries mm-hmm. in the chapel. Yeah. And she was um, just a huge blessing to me. So I find those women in the church, and uh, sometimes they're not military. Sometimes they've just walked Absolutely. through marriage a long time. Yes. And, and they just have the wisdom of 
having stuck it out through um, good and bad over the years. Um, They've raised children who may be walking with the Lord and some who may not be, and even how to weather that. I mean, um, even now I'm being ministered ministered to by um, a really dear friend and mentor who, you know, everything hasn't gone how she expected or hoped it would. And yet, you know, to watch her fight, to believe that God's at work, that Mm. God— will fulfill his covenant promises with her children. I mean, it's such a testimony to me. You know, my kids aren't quite there yet, but they will be sooner than yeah. later. And, yeah. and I will have been able to say, I've seen how I can do this, you know? Yes, that is such a great gift to me. And that's one of the first things that I'm looking for when we get to a new duty station. Like, I'm kind of always looking for that one woman who's ahead of me. And then maybe those two women that are beside me that I'm really going to invest in to the degree God allows intentionally. And a lot of times I think I can feel because of my personality spread really, really thin because there's so many different opportunities for meeting people in service and plugging in. And I'm like that person who just has to say, don't commit to anything when you get to do duty station for the first like month because you need to just kind of chill out a little bit and figure out what it is that you need to be doing here. But what are some of your top priorities when you arrive at a new duty station? Like finding a mentor is big for me, finding a local church. We already talked about that. Is there anything else that you're looking to do when you get to a new duty station? And this could seriously be as simple as setting up your bedroom in your kitchen first when your household goods arrive to your house. (laughs) Well, since you mention it, absolutely unpacking the kitchen is the first thing. Got to feed people, got to feed and sleep. That's it. That's all you really need. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, the next thing is, like you're saying, take the time to observe. I, I like to observe my neighborhood and I like to observe Obviously, we visit churches, but you can tell a lot about a community by even just the different types of churches that are in a community. Mm-hmm. I I tend to try to start having people over pretty quickly. I love hospitality. I love tea parties. And so I get to know people by having them over for a cup of tea and visiting. And I try not to be too terribly shy about that. Um, I know that wouldn't apply to everybody because, you know, some people are just more shy and maybe not as outgoing, but I just start looking for people to build relationships with. And and I can always categorize those later as to, okay, maybe this one is not a great one for me to spend as much time with, or maybe this one is where God's really pushing and nudging me. And then sometimes it's, you know, the best friend I never thought I'd meet. So. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. There's so many things. That's It does kind of get exciting when you think about moving again. But then I always have to remind myself, like, stay present, Hunter. Stay present. That's, that's one true. Of the great challenges. That, honestly, I think that's really challenging. Yeah. Because once you know you're going and you know where you're going, it's yes. really easy to get on Google and just start, start living for the next in thing. your head and on the computer screen. Um, but you know, the relationships here are not finished until you drive down the driveway and they're not even finished then, but you know, the beauty of social media and the telephone and, and even airplanes. I mean, I've been blessed to have trips and girl weekends with so many friends from over the years. So, um, yeah, it never ends. Oh, it's so sweet. Well, if somebody's listening and they are a civilian, which I'm sorry, we use that awkward term the whole entire podcast to refer to you, but that's what we call people who aren't military. 
Um, how could like a civilian family or a civilian who has a military friend or maybe somebody who has a military member in their family come alongside that person or that family and love and serve them? I think first and foremost, just being willing to open their heart up to them. I think that can be really hard, mm-hmm. especially for people who see military come and go a lot. I, I always admire those people who are willing to become your friend and not, you know, shut the doors of their heart to you because they yes. know you're going to be one. Yes. I just think that willingness is the, is kind of the foundation of yes. it all. And then, you know, realizing that military spouses aren't different really that dramatically from you. They may, yeah. they may not have moms and dads. So maybe, you know, you're in a stage of life where you could um, act as a mom or dad to them by giving advice or helping out with children yeah. or inviting them over for a holiday meal when they're home and they haven't had enough time to go all the way home to visit family. Um, I know I've had plenty of people act that way for me. They've had us for Easter dinner. They've picked up my kids and taken them to the ice cream parlor just to give me two hours, you know, when Bo's been deployed. So looking for ways to serve, it's really simple. It, totally. it just takes a little bit of intention and and noticing what the needs are. Yeah, I love that so much, especially when you were mentioning um like inviting people over for holidays, that's been one of the sweetest things because you're usually only given like a day off and most of us live across country from wherever we're stationed or maybe even across the world and getting home on those kind of nostalgic holidays. I know, especially when you're doing like special operations community, we didn't have the traditional like Christmas and Thanksgiving off. So it's, it's a real challenge. And that's the huge gift just to be welcomed in as family. I love that piece. Do you have any other resources that you would recommend either to somebody who wants to understand the military lifestyle better or to somebody who is just seeking to navigate this lifestyle as they're in the midst of it? I mean, your number one resource is to to get to know the people to in the military. I yeah. don't know that I don't know that I really have a great resource yeah. here. No, I agree. I mean, I once met a girl, and she wasn't military, and we were standing outside of a little shop in Tyler, Texas, and she was asking the best questions because she knew our language. And I said, do you have military in your family? How did you learn this? And she said, you know what? I have friends that are military. And one of the things I realized really quickly is that their culture, our culture is different. And I need to know the terminology so that I can ask the kind of questions that they need to be asked in order to feel known and loved. And I was like, wow, I never would have been able to articulate that. But just for you to have a framework for like the rank system or what, whatever, like a you know, the acronyms, et cetera, like to ask what they mean, not be afraid to ask, and then to try and remember as best you can so that you can ask intentional questions. And of course, there's grace if you forget. But I just think that's a real, it's a real gift to military to feel known in that way. Because a lot of times we can just feel like we don't allow ourselves to talk about some of the elements of our lifestyle that are different and unique because Mm -hmm. the person may not have like a context or vocabulary to be able to understand what we're talking about. You know, and I, I think some of the onus is on the actual military member. I know 
the last time we were here and we we went through a change of command and we invited some of our church friends who were civilians to come to our change of command and they'd never been to one. Some of them have never yeah. even been on post. Yes. So, you know, Not thinking outside that they of our military boxes yes. can really help and inviting yes. those people into our lives and a little more intimate level in the ceremonies and and even just go in the commissary, like, hey, here's what a commissary looks like. Um, I think that <laughs> that's can a grocery really store, people. <laughs> uh, yes, grocery store. Fancy, fancy grocery stores. Super fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Great meat prices. <laughs> Oh, man. Yes. Well, I think the one resource that we've pubbed this whole entire podcast is just the local church and the importance of community as you're navigating these challenges. And then obviously, I mean, this is something that's near and dear to both of our hearts that ministers to us like every single day, whether our spouse is present or not. And that's the word of God. And that is what's going to sustain you as you face the, the hardships of any any occupation of any season of life, you know, easy or difficult. So we'll add those to the show notes if anyone needs help remembering them. (laughs) Good good call. (laughs) Well, one of the fun questions that I like to ask every guest who comes on this show is what are your three simple joys? Oh, simple joys. I love the word simple and I love the word joy. So putting them together is kind of like cake and ice cream. I love it. So one of my simple joys I kind of already referred to is just a cup of tea. I feel like a cup of tea can make pretty much anything special. What's your cup of tea? (laughs) I'm all about black tea. I need caffeine. Like Earl Grey or is is Earl Grey black or no? It is. It's a black. Earl Grey is black with some, you know, good spices in it or a little bit of Mm. bergamot, I think. But I love just plain black. I buy PG tips. It's kind of a English tea that you can find in the grocery store it's not next to Lipton it actually has a robust black tea flavor and we Ooh. we go through mounds of PG tips at our house nice that's awesome yeah. a good but cup it of can tea. make a math lesson special it can make conversation with a friend special it can make a hard phone call a little easier cup of tea is definitely a simple joy man I love that that's right up there with C.S. Lewis you know he loved Earl Grey I'm sure he probably oh. loved a cup of black too well, it, it anything with a little cream in it, it's good. So, <laughs> all right. Do you have any more? So another simple joy, and this is kind of more recent, is hot yoga. Oh, <laughs> nice. Where do you do I, this? I go to a hot yoga studio in town, and I am wow. telling you, I ne- I grew up in East Texas, and I hate sweating, and I've always hated sweating. <laughs> and Bo actually makes fun of me because when I exercise, I usually don't sweat because I don't like to. <laughs> But I have learned to enjoy sweating through hot yoga. It is just Ooh. so, it just feels so good to get all that like gross sweat Toxins. running down your I face. I can see that, man. You may not have lost a pound, but you just feel lighter <laughs> and more flexible when you walk out of there. You need that as a homeschooling mom, hot yoga. Oh, it's the best. I'm, I'm telling you, it'll that. clear your mind. It just clears your mind right out. That's awesome. All right, here's my last simple joy, bullet journaling. Have you already tried that? I haven't, but that sounds amazing because I cannot journal like a normal human anymore. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, so I'm not by nature organized. Like everything stays in my head and I don't put it on paper. That surprises me. You seem really organized. I don't know what that's worth. That's what everybody says. So I think I must be putting on some front, but, (laughs) or it could be the bullet journaling because I have started bullet journaling and I do feel like I'm not, I mean, I have still lost a couple of dates here and there. 
I'm really bad about writing things down, but the bullet journal, the bullet journal has helped. Now, right now I can't find it. So it is key to keep up with the bullet journal. <laughs> but I it can see how that could be an issue for life. me. Oh, I will try that out. So you just do like one bullet and you do the date and just like a couple of little words about why that date was significant. You can do it any way you want. This is the beauty of it. I mean, I use it as my calendar system slash kind of a recorder for what has gone on. Oh, nice. But you could use it for journaling your thoughts, journaling the books yeah. you've read, journaling your guests on this show. You could you could set it up any way you want. I think Instagram is my bullet journal. Oh, <laughs> I don't Instagram, so there, <laughs> I have to have pieces of paper. Oh, well, Megan, you have had such a tremendous impact on me. It's just been such a joy to get to see somebody who is a couple steps ahead of us in our military journey, who's really walking that out and seeking to follow Jesus in the midst of just the unique challenges that we face on our journeys to glorify God in the context of the military. And I'd love to hear from you. Who is it that's had an impact on your own journey with Jesus? You know, this is a hard question because you always think through the myriad of people who've really influenced you, but the one person was my campus minister in college. I was a pretty fresh Christian and the campus ministry I was a part of was steeped in God's word, steeped Mm. in teaching you really good sound doctrine. His name was Chris Yates and he, in just three short years, set me on a trajectory of loving Jesus, of pursuing to understand the gospel more and more, of wrestling well with my sins so that transformation could take place. He taught me from Genesis Mm. all the way to Revelation Mm. what it's like to be a helpmate. And then I was Mm. very resistant to that idea when I came (laughs) came to Christ. So there's been a lot of humbling that's taken place. But I would say he definitely led me through the scripture. And and the one thing he said to me one time that has really stuck with me, he said, you know, you've you've tasted the gospel and you believe the gospel, but Mm. you haven't been bombed with the gospel. And it's kind of one of those mysterious statements that has hung with me over the years. Like, what does it mean to be bombed with the gospel? But there are these moments where I can tell, I'm like, oh, that's what he meant. That's yeah. what he meant to be bombed with the gospel. Like and, wrecked and you with know it. it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's all vulnerability. It's all mm-hmm. dropping of pretense, mm-hmm. all dropping of pretending to be something you're not, and really just letting mm-hmm. Jesus be everything. Yes. I love that so much. Well, it's really evident that you live your life by that, Megan. And I think that's why it's been such a joy for me to interact with you. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do that for all of us today in the context of the Journey Women podcast. Thank you so much for your time. It's just been such a joy. Oh, thank you, Hunter. It's really humbling to be here with you and and to sit and talk with you. You're so light years beyond where I was at your age. So thank you for asking me. Love you, friend. You guys, I hope that you found this conversation with Megan as helpful as I did. As always, you can find the links and noteworthy quotes on our website, journeywomenpodcast.com, listed under the show notes. To continue discussing military life with us throughout the week, hop over to at journeywomenpodcast on Facebook and Instagram. You'll also want to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening so that you don't miss our final episode in the series on community next week. Hey, If you've enjoyed these conversations, I want to ask you one thing. Would you consider taking three minutes to head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Doing so helps get us on the radar of other women who are on their journeys to glorify God. Thank you so much for allowing us to journey alongside y'all. It's such a joy. We can't wait to see you here next Monday.
Have a great week.